Welcome to the Investor Coaching Show, a podcast to help you get an insider's view of the financial world and escape common investment traps. We look at the financial news of the day and help you make sense of it so you can relax about money. And here's your host, Paul Winkler. And welcome to the Investor Coaching Show. Paul Winkler here talking money and investing. Because you need to know not everything, but certain things that are really, really important. I'm going to spend a little time on that just now. I think it's really important to get into types of things that I think you need to know. So let's just walk through this. When we look at the research on investors and investor returns, it's pretty bad. So Dalbar Company out of Boston actually does a lot of research on this. Morningstar does research on it. A lot of different entities do research and have done research, universities, on investor returns. Investor returns and investment returns are two very, very different things. So if we look at investor returns and we go, wow, they're a lot lower than what the investment vehicles are that we see people in. And it really comes down to how they're utilized. And a lot of this gets down to we were having a conversation about this, matter of fact, with the, uh, some, some people this week that, you know, some people that helped me out with my uh, you know, website, you know, the things that we put out there, the information we put out there, the blog, you know, the, the radio show and things like that. And, and we were having this conversation about, you know, what's your philosophy, Paul? And I says, well, you know, I like to give away a lot of information. And I give away a lot of information because, you know, number one, this stuff's out there. You can go to university research sites and things like that and find a lot of the information that I'm teaching here. But the reality of it is it's not digestible. A lot of it's way too complicated and just confuses people. And confused people don't do anything. They just freeze, right? So the idea is to give information out there, but partly because when somebody listens to what I, how I teach and, and the things that I teach, they go, you know, that makes a lot of sense. Wait, that makes way more sense. And not only that, but it lines up with how I believe. And, and I had one guy actually put it this way. He says, you know, the day I heard you talking about, you know, that most people think that having to predict the future is what the financial person's job is or the investor's job is. And you, it's like looking in a crystal ball. He says, that was the day I was convinced that this made sense to me. And, you know, also just if you look at how markets work and how investments work, and, and it's so logical that as time goes on, you just, it starts to seep into you and you go, this makes more sense than anything I've ever heard before. You know, you, people respond, you know, they bought my buy my book. They come in for, you know, the meetings in our offices and things like that. But I just want you to get what it is that you need to know. So I'm going to spend a little time on that. But I've got to, I got to take it from why is it that investors get bad returns? Why is it that we struggle to, you know, I, I kiddingly sometimes say to people, you know, you don't know how many people are that had $100,000 in the 1970s that aren't, you know, sitting on 40, 50 million today. <laughs> I do that just kind of bait them uh, because you look at markets, a lot of different markets around the world have done that well or better over time. But most people haven't gotten those returns because the reason coming, it really comes down to 
our instincts and our emotions and how they play against us and cause us to do the wrong thing. You know, after I get scared, what do I do? I, I freeze. And, you know, you look at how your brain works, fight, flight, freeze, right? And what happens when markets are a little bit scary, things are a little bit weird out there, you're hearing bad information, you're hearing that things are kind of difficult out here, you got, you know, maybe what's happening in government is a little bit unnerving and, and upsetting. I, I might flight, that might be what, what happens, that part of your brain that it's either fight, flight, freeze, the emotional part of your brain, uh, that might be the first thing that happens is flight is I run to CDs, I run to things that I think are safe, in reality, you know, you look back at history and you say, well, gosh, that is one of the riskiest things when it comes to inflation because the dollar just keeps going down in value. It's not really tied to anything. And you think, well, you know, that's pretty precarious, don't you think? I mean, the dollar isn't actually tied to a gold standard. It's not even tied to anything anymore. And I'm putting all my trust that the dollar is going to hold value and it's the very government that it's backed by that I don't trust. And you go, well, wait a minute, that doesn't make any sense, does it? So, you know, number one, I might do that. I might, I might, you know, think I can fight and I go, well, you know what? The reality is I can't fight. I'm too small to fight the system. So that part of your brain that says fight, that's nah, not going to kick in. Freeze, you know, is, is, is sticking the money in cash. Or, you know, I, I fight is flee or run. And that's another thing that I might do. I just might run. And, you know, well, let me come back to freeze for a second because I need to build this up a little bit more because this is what a lot of people are doing. You know, freeze is where you just don't do anything. I'm scared. I'm afraid I'm going to make a mistake. So I don't do anything until things look better. And the problem with markets is what happens when everything looks better, markets will be way higher by that point and it'll be too late for you to do anything. So we got to get into what's going on here and it really comes down there's a seven step cycle that we go through psychologically and it starts with a fear of the future which i've been just talking about i'm afraid of what might be coming what's happening how things are you know panning out around the world i'm afraid of the wars and and the governmental actions and, and things like that so when i when i have a fear of the future what do i want to do well, it would be really nice if I could predict the future, you know, that'd be really great. So if I could predict the future, then I could protect myself from whatever's coming. And you'll see no end to the ads out there, the people, the talking heads telling you what's going to happen in the future, where things are going, what you can do to protect yourself, because, you know, maybe they'll, they'll look at a pattern that has happened in the past and say, hey, this pattern has happened in the past. And every time this happens, I'm thinking of a particular one that was talked about years ago, the Hindenburg Omen. And the Hindenburg Omen basically said every time, you know, seven, not every time, but 70-something percent of the time when this happens, this happens. And, and I basically did a video on it. And I said, this is just data mining. And I ended up being completely right about it. And the person that said it and talked about it just didn't talk about it anymore. And that's how they do it. You know, if it doesn't, if the prediction doesn't work out, just don't talk about it anymore then nobody even thinks about that you made that prediction, you were wrong, and you can go on and make the next prediction. You know, so that's, that's one thing. So we got that fear of the future, we try to predict the future. Well, how do I predict the future? How do I know what is going to do well in the future? How do I figure this out? Well, you know, looking at the past, who, maybe I don't have that ability to predict the future, 
But I can look at the past and I can say, well, no, last time this happened, you know, this is what ended up occurring after the fact. You know, if we look at, you know, the person that figured out that real estate was going to go into a crash and, you know, then, then we can say, hey, what does that person think is going to happen this time? Or we can look at the person that, that predicted that we were having a tech bubble, that tech stocks were overvalued and they were poised to crash. Or we can just look for somebody. And, and then, of course, we also listen to the technical information coming out of these people. And if they're talking above our heads, then that's a sign that they really know what they're talking about, right? And just say, they're, they're way above my... And there's you know the Dunning-Kruger effect that I've talked about before, that people will talk above your head and fool you into thinking that they know actually more than they do. But that's what people do. We, you know, we find that people will try to impress you because they want you to think that they're really, really smart. Everybody wants to be thought of as being really well engaged, well informed, you know, intelligent, because we're all about connection, right? We all want people to like us. So that's what people will go out there and do that. But they're also trying to sell things, right? And, you know, so this is what happens, what pulls people into this prediction about the future. So we look at past performance and we look for somebody that's done well in the past. But what do we know about how markets work? What do they do? They go up and they go down, right? So they go up and they go down. And investment managers will do really, really well. And then all of a sudden they'll go really for a long dry spell. So when we're investing based on past performance, what is happening? We're buying quite often high. We're breaking a rule of investing and more about that in a second. So then what happens is that, you know, I, I look past performance, I'll look for somebody else, and then I get overloaded with information. Everybody's telling me about their track record. And I get so overloaded that, again, I get into that freeze mode where I don't even know what to do. I, don't, I just kind of freeze up and I don't do anything. Or maybe greed kicks in. You know, so when I'm overloaded, emotions start to take over. My emotions tell me that I need to, you know, act quick or I'm going to miss out. You know, FOMO, fear of missing out. Or my emotions tell me, don't do anything. Just, you know, just stick it all under your mattress because you don't trust anybody, which, you know, that's often what people end up doing, especially during market downturns or when markets are a little bit iffy. They, they just kind of freeze and then they stick things in something they think is safe. And then another thing is might be, I just go, you know, I don't know what to do. I don't know who to trust. And then they blindly trust. You know, so who are you working with? They talk to a friend of theirs. Hey, so so who do you know? Who's your financial advisor? And the person's, oh, they're they're really really nice. Now they know anything about what the person, what level of advice do they have? Any way of knowing whether the advisor is doing what they ought to be doing? Not really. Typically not. They have no way of knowing. Because I'll often ask people. There's a question I ask them. I'm going to get into that in a second. The questions I think you ought to be able to answer, and what some of the answers are, but. That is one of the questions. How do you really know things are going the way they ought to be going? Because what do markets do? They go up and they go down. Just because something's going up doesn't mean everything is okay. You know, the question is, is it going up as much as it should be going up based on what's happening? Or just because it goes down doesn't mean things are terrible because markets go up and they go down. So that's not the issue. So most of the time when you get 
a referral, let's say, for somebody telling you, hey, go use my advisor. They don't have a clue. And by the way, you can know. There is something that you can know. And you can know whether things are going the way they ought to be going. And I'll talk about that more in, in just a second. You know, so that's another part of it. You know, so I make an emotion-based decision and I just, you know, I blindly trust because I don't know what to look at. Or maybe I just inertia takes over and I don't do anything because, you know, well, I've worked with this company for a long, long time and I'm loyal and, and you know, you're, you're loyal to a company that may be doing things that are just 180 degrees opposite of what you, what you believe as far as how things should be done, but you don't even know that that's happening. So more about that in a second as well. You know, so these are things that happen. And then what ends up happening is the next step, which is I break rules of investing. Now, so what are the rules of investing? Well, you've probably heard them since you were a kid. You know, buy when prices are low, you know, sell high. So after something does well, and I go and buy it because it's got a good track record. What am I doing? I'm buying after something's done well or I'm buying high quite often. And then all of a sudden comes down and I go, oh, that was a terrible mistake. Then I sell low and I've broken that rule of investing. What's another rule of investing? Diversify. Well, if I'm buying something that has done well and I'm buying this fund that's done well and that fund that's done well and that. And quite often what I end up doing is I end up buying a lot of funds that own the same stocks that happen to do well in the previous period in time, three, five, and 10 years. So I see people, you know, with portfolios and they got, they got all the funds with the best 10 year track record. And I look at it and go, yeah, and they all have the same stocks that just happen to have the best track record. So you own the same stocks over and over again. What rule of investing have I broken? Diversification. I'm not diversified. And then all of a sudden when that market crash comes or they get that area of the market that happened to have done best in the past 10 years comes crashing down, guess where you are? there and then you're out of money and you're going well i need to do something different well it's kind of too late to do that because <laughs> you've already gone through the crash and so many people did that with technology stocks they didn't start you know i was i was on radio going till i'm blue in the face you need to change you need to change when's the best time to be prudent when you figure out what prudent is and for me to get people to actually make a decision and change things it was like pulling teeth it was really, really hard. And then finally, you know, 2004 was like the best year in my initial years and all the initial years that I had running a business. That was like my best year, but it was two years after the market upturn had happened before anybody really started to go, hey, maybe that Paul Winkler guy, you know, maybe he knows what he's talking about. You know, so that is it's an area of frustration, but it doesn't have to be something that you do. Once you know what prudent is, do it. <laughs> I mean, that's just really what it gets down to. Once you're convinced that, you know, there's something, a more prudent way of doing things. And that's more what I'm going to be talking about. Okay, so that, breaking the rules of investing, you know, buy bonds. You know, what do I hold bonds for? They should be there for safety. When I find out that my bonds are, you know, double B rated, B rated bonds, they're low rated bonds, and they got long durations, kind of think Silicon Valley Bank, then you recognize that maybe there's a problem there. You know, so the rules of investing get broken and then I end up with relative losses. You may not lose money, but you lose relatively to what you should have. So the vast majority, back to the studies again, 
of investors have had lower returns, far lower than markets around the world, and they can't figure out why. It's because of this. So there are questions that I think are absolutely critical for investors to get their minds wrapped around. And I'm going to talk about those in just a second and get into a little bit of why these things are important. You don't need to know everything, but once you get your mind wrapped around just these basic questions, what ends up happening as an investor quite often is that you just go, hey, you know what? I'm, I'm more relaxed about this thing because I kind of get what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. I know what you know, I, I have an idea of what to expect. And then all of a sudden, you don't worry about things as much. So I think it's really critical. And I'll get into that more in just a second. What are the things that you need to get your head wrapped around? Thanks for tuning in to the Investor Coaching Podcast. Now, you may be one of these people that's been listening and realizing, wow, investing, there's a lot more to it than meets the eye and financial planning, tax laws constantly changing and recognizing that maybe you might need some help in this area, but you don't want just anybody to help you out. So we have 10 offices in the Middle Tennessee area and everything we do is fee only. We align our interests with your interests. So you can get an initial 15-minute phone call with any one of our offices just by going to paulwinkler.com forward slash call. That's it. Every one of the offices is run by somebody with 20 plus years experience. They're all degree planners. They all have academic backgrounds in investing and you can get the help that you need. So if you want to set up a complimentary phone consultation, just go to paulwinkler.com forward slash call. And we look forward to seeing you soon. All right, I'm here. I'm back. Paul Winkler. So people go through this cycle around money. We've talked about it. Fear the future. Want to predict the future. Look at past performance. I get overloaded with information. Everybody's talking at me. And I can hear a word they're saying. And you go, I don't know who to listen to. And that's the reality of it. If I get a little bit of what am I doing? Why am I doing? How does this thing work? You know, just I don't have to know everything, but then I don't blindly trust anymore. I'm literally looking at things through the perspective of logic based on what I know to be true about investing. And if it aligns with what I'm doing, way better. We don't want cognitive dissonance. Cognitive dissonance isn't cool. Cognitive dissonance is where I believe something to be true, and then I find out that I'm not doing what I believe to be true. I find out that somebody has put me in mutual funds based on their past performance, let's say, or they put me in several different funds that had the same exact stocks in them. And, you know, then, and I, I look at the perspectives and, 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 I, and I look at, you know, the turnover ratios and I see there's a lot of buying and selling going on. I know I should be buying and hanging on to things, but I find that the fund is changing stocks more often than some people change their underwear. I mean, that's not good. And then what happens is then I, that's when I get into a sense of unease is when I'm, I'm finding that I'm not doing what I know to be true. Okay, so then I end up with, you know, I've, I've breaking the rules of investing. Uh, you know, I've made emotion-based decisions. I'm getting performance losses. Then I end up back all over again in fear of the future. So what are the things that people need to know? Well, number one, first thing is I want to know what money 
what is it? What is the purpose that I use it for? What, because money is just a tool to help you actually express what is what is valuable to you. And so often, what happens? We people think it's just more, 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 more. And you can have millions and millions and millions of dollars and have absolutely no peace of mind around money because you don't really know what its purpose is, except for I just have more is better. And once you really start to get focused on purpose, a lot of times you go, oh gosh, you know what? It's, uh, I, you know, I, I don't have this, I've got to keep getting and accumulating, accumulating more because what it causes so often is more, 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 more causes people to take risks and step out there and do things that are really imprudent. And once I get away from just more, more, more mentality, you know, and I've known people that do that. I'm behind, I'm behind. And they get into commodities trading. They get into Forex trading. They get into a lot of things that are just not good for them. And then what ends up happening is they end up with performance losses. And they end up with not only just regular relative losses, but they lose money and lose their money altogether. So first, first off is get that down. What is, you know, what's really so I can kind of go, okay, what am I trying to accomplish here? And it's good for the financial advisor to know what, what's really important to you as well, you know, so that they can give you better guidance. Then, you know, what are the mental biases and blind spots that you're likely going to face? You know, if, for example, if I'm buying funds based on past performance or I'm buying things, looking at funds and going, well, then, you know, that had really good. That was, that was good recency bias is what we're dealing with right there. Uh, or if I'm looking around for information, I'm scared about what the market's going to do. And then I'm looking around for information on what might happen next. If I, all, if I have a bias and I think it's going to go down, I'm going to look for any piece of information that's scary, that's negative, to confirm what I actually believe is going to happen. That's confirmation bias. And then sometimes I'll look, look for an expert and their biases regarding experts and people that I perceive to be experts. Uh, there are biases, you know, sometimes people, it's like, I want to keep, I want to get the cheapest, you know, everything. And, you know, the reality of it is you don't want to overpay for anything, but the very least expensive area of the market, right, right now, as I speak, the very least expensive area of the market to manage large U.S. growth stocks is actually selling for the highest price compared to earnings and book value. You know, so if you look at that and go, whoa, wait a minute, do I want to pay too much? Well, that would be, you know, you look at that and you go, well, I don't want to, I want to pay as little as I possibly can. Then I buy the thing that's most expensive. <laughs> you think about that. There's a little cognitive dissonance for you. You know, so what are the mental biases and the blind spots? And I only just gave a couple of them there. But unless we know what might pull us the wrong direction, guess what? It's going to pull us the wrong direction because we're not even aware of it. If you're aware of the biases, then you got a fighting chance against them. So that's really, really important. Now, another thing is, are you invested in the market? You know, you might be able to answer that question fairly easily. Yeah, I'm invested in the market, you know, stocks, bonds, you know, fixed income investments. But, you know, stocks mainly we're talking about right here. Well, if I'm in, if I don't know what I'm really invested in, I might be invested in, you know, markets that I shouldn't be in. But markets in general, why do we invest in stocks? Because historically has been the best protector against inflation. Because inflation is prices going up and you think about, well, prices of what? Well, prices of gas, prices of groceries, prices of, you know, home goods, prices of homes. 
uh, prices of you know, like uh, computers or, or whatever, you know, just name it. Well, who sells all those things that I'm talking about? Who sells, you know, TVs and, and groceries and, you know, things that you use to, to build a home like lumber and flooring supplies and kitchen supplies and, and appliances and all of those things, computers. Who sells that? Well, you can name lots of companies, right? And those, those are the very entities that if you're really well diversified, you own these companies. You own the companies that raise the prices. So hence, there's the protection against inflation right there. So being in the market is really important. But then what we want to do is we want to look at some of the warning signs that we may not be managing money in an investing manner, but more in a speculation manner. Hey, this is Paul Winkler. Hope you enjoyed today's edition of the Investor Coaching Show. You want to learn more about what we do, go to our website, paulwinkler.com. You can watch some of the videos there. And if you're not already a client, you can set up a free initial consultation. Until next time, I'm Paul Winkler reminding you that I believe that more educated investors are more confident investors and confident investors are more successful investors. Have a great one. Advisory services offered through Paul Winkler, Inc., an SEC-registered investment advisor. The opinions voiced and information provided in this material are for general informational purposes only and not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine what investments are appropriate for you, please consult with a financial advisor. Paul Winkler, Inc. does not provide tax or legal advice. Please consult your tax or legal advisor regarding your particular situation.